I love doing stuff on my own because you can try and fail and you don't necessarily have to broadcast that to everybody. You can mess up and make mistakes and do the wrong thing and you'll learn something so that when you do go to your, your actual nine to five or your regular job, you can have it perfected. You can have ironed out as much of the kinks as possible without having that visibility into you landing on your face. Welcome to Top of Mind a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. My guest today is a B2B brand strategist with a knack for finding inspiration from unlikely places. She's currently the Senior Marketing and Customer Acquisition Manager at Herman. Join me today, I've got Chantal Marcel. Thanks a lot for jumping on, Chantal. No problem, thank you for inviting me to join. Yeah, there was a post that you had a couple days ago, Uh, it might've been more recent than that, and I wanna hear where it came from because I think it's a really interesting quote, and it goes like this. So you said, it's perfectly fine to be a Redditor with a website, it's not okay to be a website with a Reddit account. And so for those who, who don't know too much about Reddit, it's a good platform for chatting with people because it's, it's anonymous and you can have your account be whatever you want. It's not attached to a person necessarily. But I think there's a lot more to this in the nuances of the platform that I'd love to chat to you about. So, so what, did, what did this mean to you and where did it come from? Yeah. So, I mean, we've been, my company, uh, Herman, has been looking more into how to maximize content distribution, which um, was a big topic for you a couple of days ago on one of your uh, podcasts, which I listened to and I loved. I was super inspired. Reddit is a channel, I think, that gets overlooked a lot, especially by B2B uh, brands. So we were doing some research into that, and I saw that that was one of the lines for their community guidelines. So I was like, wow, that that makes a ton of sense. You don't want to come into a community and be disruptive with self-promotion and sounding like too brandy, like you're like you're actually trying to push something or you have a, a hidden agenda. You want to make it seem natural and like you're just sort of um, looking for that engagement, that just genuine, authentic engagement rather than, hey, you know, check out www whatever. So that was actually Reddit's words that they put in the community guidelines. Yep. I love that. And that's such a good framing, right? Because there's nothing wrong with having something to promote. And in fact, what we're finding is if, unless you're promoting yourself, no one else is going to do it for you. Right. So you need to be active, but you don't want to be a faceless website, just pushing people saying, here's what we've got. This applies to you, but I'm not providing any value. Right. And I think that that's where a lot of people in general miss the mark when it comes to using social media. They just don't understand that you can't just jump in and be disruptive and and promotional. You can't always be pushing something and, and expect people to just click on whatever you promote. People really want that to feel like they're connected to you and like you're looking to bring value to them. Like you're looking to share insight or tips or something that's going to benefit them at the end of the day. From an acquisition standpoint, though, how effective is that or how do you measure it? 
Uh, I was wondering if you if you've got any tips on metric tracking because it's tricky for a lot of people to wrap their head around spending uh, time or hiring a full time person to ha- handle social media because it seems like a a black box that you don't really know how to measure on the outside. Yeah, that's always a big question. I find uh, you know we put so much time into social media and you need to have a presence there. It's like a mandatory thing for companies and brands now, but how much time do you put in? How do you judge whether you're getting an appropriate level of ROI? And I think it is tough. It's it's something like uh, brand awareness. It's hard to measure, but you can tell when you aren't doing enough in that space. So I would say that there really isn't like a set way to to measure that type of thing. I do like to set up tracking links occasionally and just sort of see where um, my traffic is coming from to any website or, or anything that I'm promoting just to sort of gauge, okay, who's actually clicking on these links? If I share something, are people actually engaging with that? Or are they just reading it, liking and moving on? It does help when you know, you're having conversations and people will bring up, oh, I saw such and such that you shared on LinkedIn the other day. And that, that I think is a huge um, sign of success when people are bringing that up when you're talking to them. A lot of times also, I like to use LinkedIn for direct lead gen. So if I see a conversation and I monitor different communities that are applicable to whatever industry I'm working in or my company's work, So if I'm monitoring conversations and I see a a place where I could naturally step in and be like, hey, I see you're talking about, you know, XYZ, team productivity or team effectiveness. We could really help you out with that if you're looking for more information or the conversation has been pretty active around diversity and inclusion right now. So there's been a lot of times where I've reached out and been like, hey, we just did a webinar on inclusion and inclusive leadership. You might want to just take a look, you know, not even saying buy this or whatever, just take a look if you'd like. And these are the people who spoke. So I found that I'm able to make a lot of connections that way just by organically joining conversations. Absolutely. And I've seen a lot of success too. And rather than just dropping the link and saying, here's a big to- here's a big blog post about that topic, you actually pull out the highlights yep. that are relevant to that conversation. You show them the highlights. And then at the bottom, you say, I wrote some more about this. If you want to go read more, here's the link. Exactly. You want to give them that little taste to let them know that it isn't just a link that you're just randomly asking yeah. them to click on. It does have some sort of merit for them to to check it out. And from that publishing side of things, you've got the kind of company accounts that are supposed to be like, they're the company's one where the logo is the company's logo and and that's the name of it. But then you've got employees that work for that company, right? What's right. your perspective on... Uh, employees creating content that promotes the company versus their own personal brand. Do you have any anything to think, say about that? You know, the past couple of years, I've seen a huge increase in brands encouraging their employees to get more active. There's a bunch of different tools that the social media platforms even offer to help with that. LinkedIn Elevate was one of them, which I think that they're they're actually discontinuing now. But that was a way for you to provide content for your employees to share because um, you want to remove all of those barriers and obstacles, the excuses that employees give you for not actually participating in the conversation. Um, like, oh, the biggest one is, I don't know what to write about. I don't have enough content. Can you provide me with content? So that's a huge thing that I think that 
is a challenge that needs to be overcome and having that conversation with your employees. Hey, please get active. It's very helpful. People like to talk to people. They don't want to just talk to brands, but you have to also provide, make it as easy as possible for people to actually do that and take advantage of that. And then when they start to see the benefits personally as well, where they're building their own brand, where people are more willing to talk to them without it being like, oh, another salesperson, no thanks, ignore, then I think that they become a lot more willing to do that on their own. Yeah, but that's a huge leadership leadership decision because you also have to then say, I'm comfortable with allocating two hours a week to each of my right. employees, letting them write. This isn't like an on top of the work you do. This This is now a line item that you need to fulfill, right? Right, that does actually become part of your workday. It becomes part of your, all right, wake up, do XYZ, check email, hop on LinkedIn or hop on Twitter or whatever platform is most beneficial. I think it's going to be very interesting as brands figure out what model makes most sense. I've seen a couple of companies call themselves or call employees within their company brand evangelists, Mm -hmm. um, where they're very, like they're actually budgeting company dollars and time to put towards that individual's brand. And the way they're doing it is like 80% of the messaging that they put out is about the person and is about the role they're in and is about the industry that they're in. Is n- and then the last 20% is actual promotion of the company's service or, or offer. And I think that's really interesting. And I, I, I've been seeing it work pretty well because you can have an overwhelmingly large part of the discussion just by having three or four employees who are super active on this particular topic. All of a sudden, like you can fill up someone's newsfeed very quickly and it feels more organic than always pushing the webinars or whatever. Yep. I saw someone the other day on LinkedIn actually say, you don't even need a brand account anymore. Just get your employees on there Mm -hmm. and get them talking. And it works so much more effectively because you can sort of have that compound effect where someone follows one employee that you have. And then all of a sudden they're seeing all of this other content from your company fill their feeds. And in that way, you also get to guide the conversation a lot. I see certain people from certain brands right now who are doing it really well I think of Privy, I think of Drift, Gravy, just uh, certain startups right now that are really doing things well on social media. And they're really guiding and shaping and creating the conversation. You see one person who sort of starts pushing a certain message, and then pretty soon it has a ripple effect. And you see other people from other companies starting to repeat the same sort of messaging. So that's cool how social media can have that effect and how you can sort of guide what's trending or what's top of mind for people in that way. Absolutely. And what I think is really interesting about what you just said and the examples you just gave is all three of those companies you just mentioned are B2B. Yes. And oftentimes, and you've posted about this and I've thought about it, is it seems like B2C marketers have just so much more fun (laughs) because (laughs) they can be a little bit weirder. Their brand can take on a tone that for some reason, B2B companies have been hesitant to to dive in. But those three companies you just mentioned absolutely have a tone and they absolutely let the conversation become more friendly than a typical Mm -hmm. kind of corporate jargon. Yeah, and I love that. I find that sometimes when you are doing research on B2B solutions, even the word solution, it's like very like, you know, there's just sterile dryness to the conversation. They have tech sheets 
spec sheets, they don't do a lot of the the sort of fun marketing that you see with B2C, where it's like they're not afraid to take risks or be silly or uh, tell jokes. Whereas in B2B, a lot of the times it is just, I get a lot of make me sound smart, make us sound smart. And then this very academic tone that's taken on where it's like, you have to be very serious. This is a very serious topic. But at the end of the day, a customer is a customer. I mean, B2B buyers are still people. You still, they still want that engagement. They still want to feel that emotional uh, experience when they're buying. It's just, you have to be a little more creative about the way that you present things especially because uh, a lot of times the B2B budget is allocated a little bit differently than in B2C spaces. Yeah. You're not spending your own money, but you still need to have the benefit as, as well as the features. Right. Right. And you still do need to have that, that more serious technical side where you are explaining those things and the topics can go a little bit more, I think, technical than in B2C where you know, they're, they're selling something entirely different, but I think the point of, and I've seen this a lot in conversation as well, marketing conversation. Now you want to be able to explain things in a way where even a kid could understand it since the average reading level of most Americans is at the ninth grade level, that's across the board. So you don't, you want to break things down into a way where people can understand it, where it's very accessible, um, where anyone can consume it and quickly say, okay, that's what you do. I understand that completely. Is that where content you think comes in uh, as, as that attractive piece at the beginning where it's, it's fun, it's quirky, mm-hmm. it's got personality, it resonates with uh, certain people, it'll turn off other people, which is all right. Mm-hmm. And then once the person understands actually what it is you do, it, then the technical stuff comes in? Right. Then you can do that deeper dive into, all right, well, I've given you the intro. You're interested. We've started out with maybe a focus on the pain points or something more broad and then leading them down the funnel into, okay, now you're actually ready for something more deep or more substantial, a different kind of conversation. But it's it's mainly about guiding them through the conversation with the right content that they need at the right time. And making sure it's it's entertaining, it's engaging, it's eye-catching, it's compelling. Mm-hmm. You don't want boring. If you're bored, then for sure, the people that you're trying to sell to are definitely going to be bored too. I think there's an easy way to test that too, is you show it to them. And if they, <laughs> yeah. if they tell you they don't like it, they don't like it. Yeah. A lot of times I try to explain, I've worked in the B2B space for so long. I try to explain what I do to others in my family who don't really care about what I'm selling. So in explaining that to them and seeing the ways that they respond to me and what Mm. helps them to understand the quickest or or the best, that's a good way to gauge, okay, this will actually work with with my audience. What are some fun B2C trends that you've seen that, that you really would like to try? Oh, man. I think that they have a lot more fun on social media than B2B does. You see them on all sorts of platforms and they kind of just are very lighthearted about it. They're on Instagram, they're on TikTok, Snapchat, and they just sort of have a very lighthearted tone. I think a lot of it is tone as well. It's very lighthearted. It's very conversational when it's B2C. Whereas with B2B, it, it doesn't feel often as conversational or as, I don't know, as, as friendly and open since you know they're pushing to a very specific audience, it doesn't feel as welcoming um, as others. I think mainly social media. I consume so much social media now just with 
the way that the world is and being inside so often. I'm scrolling a ton on different apps, just switching back and forth. So, you know, like the food and beverage space is is huge on on Twitter, mm-hmm. like Burger King and McDonald's and Pizza Hut and uh, Wendy's and all of them. The way that they go back and forth and have like witty banter and they yeah. pick up a lot on like the young lingo and <laughs> hashtags and stuff. And they even lead the way with starting trends on social media that others then follow, which is pretty impressive. I think they're willing to actually engage with the culture rather than pretend like it doesn't exist. Right. Right. Or sticking to one particular um, very niche community. They sort of watch what's going on mm-hmm. in the broader space and then try to translate that back into what they're doing. And one other thing I've noticed with Twitter, especially, is the customer service side of things. Yeah. Is I get faster responses from brands yep. when I Twitter them, when I Twitter DM them, or <laughs> even mention their username. I had an, ex- an experience yesterday where I was just asking a question saying, like, how do I figure out cloud? archiving or something Mm -hmm. and someone mentioned a company and then within two minutes that company was in the conversation saying hey here's a blog post to get you started and then i had a question and then two minutes later oh yeah here's the answer and here's another blog post for that direction and it was like that's unbelievable that's so effective i saw that a lot especially when everyone was sheltering in place and locked down a lot of times if you called places there were very long wait times i guess just because of what was going on and everything but if you engage with their social media, you could get a, a much quicker response. Yeah. I try not to abuse it though, because you know, there's that visibility and you don't want to, you don't want to take advantage of like com- being that person complaining all the time on social right. media. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love, I love engaging with brands, even just to, to thank them or say, wow, yeah. XYZ brand is doing an amazing job right now. And I really appreciate it. And sort of, giving them that shine, I guess. Yeah. And those testimonials and social proof, I think are are an example of something that B2C does and they rely on so heavily that yeah. B2B doesn't. Like it's so common to see rather than it being like very manicured testimonials on a page, it's just straight up a link to a Twitter conversation where someone said, love that product, worked really well for me. Yep. Like that. I've seen that's, it both ways. You know, a, a B2B brand that does that really well is Salesforce. They have such strong presence online and such strong communities. People are always talking about them and, and they've just got these pockets online that are like very, I don't know, they're just very like loyal to the brand. It's incredible to see, but they've done that pretty amazingly. Yeah, uh, those are great examples. Let's uh, shift gears here a little bit and talk about marketing teams because the company you're with right now is in the leadership space and trying to make sure that everyone um, who comes on to a team is well-equipped to do their job in ways that they work best. But now that we're working remotely, whether it's permanently or for the time being, I think we've all learned a lot about our own working habits and a lot about how we need to be supported. Marketing specifically, what are you thinking about in terms of building marketing teams from here on out? You know, a big part of success in marketing is the team that you're on, the leadership, the culture that they build and promote. It really helps to create the right environment to inspire, to to innovate, to get people feeling creative. If you can't work together well with a team and you don't have all the right people and skills in place, then your job becomes so much harder. 
I know previously I'd worked on a team and we were newly remote and we had a number of people in the same city on the same time zone, but then we also had other people who were in different cities. So an issue became like those people felt isolated or, you know, they were working on different times and we were trying to get projects done and we had deadlines, but those people weren't necessarily on the same page. Communication was hard. So we tried to put all these different softwares and, and platforms in place. We were using all these different team project management tools. And it was just it was just really challenging. So I think that that held us back in a lot of ways from being more successful because we didn't have the right structure. We didn't have a, necessarily a great method of communication with each other. You can have all the tools in the world that you want. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the right processes and culture in place behind that, then you're not going to be as successful as you could. So I, I think that that's something that, especially with all of the tumult that has been going on this year, all the uncertainty, it just becomes a lot more important for people to think about their team structure and the support that they're providing to their teams. So I think that that's a conversation that leadership needs to have, something that they need to have uh, top of mind all the time? Am I supporting my team in the right way? How are we communicating? How could we be more effective? How could I better set up my team for success and being the most productive that they could be? Mm -hmm. And is that purely a workflow question? Like, if we need to get this piece of content shipped by this deadline, mm -hmm. uh, we have the creative team, we have the copywriters, we have the, yeah. the, the email marketers, we have all the all those teams are if you're if you're at a bigger company, you have multiple people. But if if you're right. at a smaller company, that could be just one or two people. But you still need to budget your time. Is that is that kind of the the bottleneck? Is is making sure that every task gets done in a certain order, or does it have to do more with the the collaboration styles? I think it can vary. I mean, sometimes you have a team where everybody sort of feels like they're, you know, cut from the same cloth. They're all, their heads are all in the same place. That's not necessarily always the best place for success because you do want a level of cognitive diversity where, okay, everyone's not thinking the same way. So you get so many different perspectives that you're able to look at a, a problem from all different sides and build a better solution, build a better campaign, build a better piece of content because you had all these different perspectives coming at it and, and contributing a unique, I guess, perspective mm -hmm. or unique skills. But if you do have a team that, that, that is you know, on different pages like that, you definitely do need to make sure that there's some sort of I guess, safeguards in place to make sure that people aren't, there's a way to work through conflict when it comes up. There's a way to approach conversation. You do have a certain way methodology that you approach a campaign and say, okay, this is going to be our workflow. This is going to be our process. And it doesn't have to be set in stone. Obviously, you need to be flexible in order to, to be successful in any company. But you do want to at least have something in place so that everybody kind of knows, okay, this is my role. This is what is expected of me. Everyone's accountable for something. Everyone has a, a lane that they're swimming in and can really stretch their wings in. So yeah, I, I think that it's it's workflow, but it's also, I think, looking at the actual team itself. Yeah. It's a huge topic and it's gonna be it's gonna be the basis of a lot of studies and scrutiny for for the next oh, few years sure. as big companies figure out how to go online, small companies thrive and they know how to do it already, or they crumble because they've never even bothered to learn how to do it. 
Right. It's kind of exciting. We're in like a period of, I guess, a huge pivot mm-hmm. in the way that we work and in the way that we approach things. I think marketing too is is an interesting profession to to be part of this because in a lot of ways, we make our living from a laptop. Like it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be face-to-face. A lot of it is digital. Even the non-digital stuff like trade shows, physical mail, like mm-hmm. billboards, I don't know, the, the more traditional routes are are created on a laptop. <laughs> right, right. You know, I, I don't know. I've just seen marketing really something has has changed in a lot of people over this amount of time. Like I've seen a lot more people creating content. I would say like almost everybody's a content creator now and then figuring out and perfecting ways of distributing that content. You know, people are launching podcasts at home. We're doing a podcast from cities apart. Mm-hmm. You know, people are writing more blogs. They're more active on different social media platforms. I've had a lot of people approach me. Hey, can you give me some tips for success? I'd love to get started on, you know, posting about this or just sharing my thoughts. How can I get started? I'm like, just go for it. Like everybody's yeah. doing it right now. This is the time to do it. If you want to test it out and, and sort of put your foot in the door, just get started. There's no, there's no barrier to entry right now. So yeah, marketing is definitely changing. I think more people are becoming more aware of the significance of marketing, how much of an impact it can have, and then just sort of getting their hands in there and, and trying it out themselves. And as professionals, this is the best way to learn is you do it with your own brand and then you can bring those learnings to whatever project or company or anything that you're in next. And that's that's kind of in my biggest learning curve is I can try something here. I can try something on my LinkedIn and have actual results that I can then take to my day job and say, I think, I think, well, it worked for me. Let's see if it works over here. (laughs) I love that. I love doing stuff on my own because you can try and fail and you don't necessarily have to broadcast that to everybody. You can mess up and make mistakes and do the wrong thing. And you'll learn something so that when you do go to your your actual nine to five or your regular job, you can have it perfected. You can have ironed out as much of the kinks as possible without having that visibility into you landing on your face. So I, I love it. I love having my own website so that I can, you know, go home and code something or test something out, try different things and see what works and then bring that back and be like, Hey guys, this is what I learned. One thing I saw you share recently was I don't know if it was a quote or not, but it's the idea of stealing like an artist. And that's a, that's a quote that I've absolutely loved. And uh, I've been in that vein of thought for a few years now. What does that mean to you? You know, I've worked at different companies where people are always so focused in on their own industry or on the competition. And it's like, oh, the competitor just did XYZ. We have to do XYZ too. You know, they just launched a podcast. We need a podcast. They just redid their website. And this is the language they're using. Let's do that too. And it gets very stifling. I think that the customers can, it becomes harder for them to distinguish between you and the next person when you're always following what other people are doing. So that goes back to that conversation we had about B2B versus B2C. You know, look to the B2C brands that are doing things right and maybe copy some of them. And not necessarily copy, but look at what they're doing and say, how could I translate that to what I'm doing in a way that feels fresh and new and fun and exciting? So not necessarily, you know, plagiarizing or (laughs) doing something line for line, how someone else is doing, but really using that as inspiration and just 
paying attention to what's going on around you and taking that the best of what you see and turning that into something that's profitable and works for you. Absolutely. I've seen a lot of people coming to terms with that. And then also kind of putting structure around it is actually what you would probably want to do is rather than copy or modeling yourself off other people in your industry is look to other industries. And I know you have an interest in in design and, and art as well. So to look to that industry and see what people like content creators in that industry are doing and bring that into the marketing world rather than just looking at other marketers and being like, oh, well, that's how she does it. That's how he does it. Because then you're kind of, you're not really creating anything uh, new or like contributing wise. But if you look at other industries and you can look at like a pop star, you can look at a chef, you can look at a designer and then see how they do it and then put a marketing tint on it. All of a sudden you're like the most unique person going because you've got your own angle on things. Exactly. I remember a few years ago that I was working for a company and we were looking at how to do better digital campaigns, how to be more creative and original there. And I was like, you know, I'm always on BuzzFeed. I'm one of those like (laughs) one of those nerds who likes to go on BuzzFeed and take a million quizzes and you take one and then you see the next one. It's like, oh, which Harry Potter character would, you know, whatever, which real housewives of XYZ would you, (laughs) I was like, you know, people have fun with that. It's, it's like Mm -hmm. just something that people do in their spare time where it's very addictive. So I was like, we should come up with a collection of quizzes that people can come to our site and just take these quizzes on a variety of different topics. I was in the hospitality tech travel tech space back then. So we came up with a number of different quizzes that were related to what we were doing. You know, the history of hotel technology, which is really interesting, just seeing how far hotels have developed over the years. Mm. A lot of them are going into a much more technical direction right now, especially with, I would say right now, needing to be more contactless and automate a lot more processes to allow to be socially distant and make people feel comfortable, plus for efficiency so yeah, we we created a whole bunch of quizzes around that and they were wildly popular. I then saw other people in the industry who picked up on that, even used the same tech platform that we did to build out those quizzes. And so then it became like a ripple effect where we introduced something into our industry and then it sort of had a domino effect and everyone else was trying it out too. It lets you know that you're doing things right. But you'll have the data behind the scenes to actually know if it's contributing to okay. revenue, which at the end of the day is... Uh, the outcome that we need to have. But I I think there's a way of driving revenue without taking ourselves so seriously. I think that kind of summarizes what we've been chatting about here is there's ways around it. Exactly. And that does need to be the ultimate focus of marketing. You know, we, (laughs) if you're not creating some sort of revenue or or generating revenue, then you're going to be in trouble when the conversation uh, gets to the executive level. (laughs) Exactly. Awesome. This has been great, Chantal. Thank you so much for taking the time. Chantal's pretty active on LinkedIn. You can check her out there. Chantal Marcel. Check out her website at the same the same spelling, chantelmarcel.com. It rhymes. So that's that's my claim to fame. Chantal Marcel. It, it really flows. It does. It does. Thank you so much for taking the time. This has been awesome. I had a lot of fun doing this. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. 
This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.